0: This is day 239 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be reading Revelation chapters 10 through 14. Our Heavenly Father, we have hope in the future because of you. You have already written what's going to happen. You have already redeemed us from our own sin. And you have already called the world to judgment. It is only a matter of time, Lord, before you return. And all these things that were written. come true. Lord God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on your people. Have mercy on those that don't know you yet, but need to hear your word. May all those that need to come to repentance come soon, Lord, so that you may return in your glory, and that all the world will bow at your feet. Please humble our hearts as we understand this and as we explore your word today. In Jesus' name, Amen. I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little book which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left on the land, and he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. Then the angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives for ever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished, as he preached to his servants the prophets. Then the voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again, speaking with me, and saying, Go, take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and in my mouth it was sweet as honey. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, You must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Then there was given to me a measuring rod, like a staff. And someone said, Get up and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. Leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations, and they will tread underfoot the holy city for forty two months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for twelve hundred and sixty days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies. So if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. These have the power to shut up the sky, so that rain will not fall during the days of their prophesying and they have power over the waters to turn them into blood, and to strike the earth with every plague, as often as they desire. When they had finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them, and overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt or also their Lord was crucified. Those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days, and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate, and they will send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were watching them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. Then they went up into heaven in the cloud, and their enemies watched them. And in that hour there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders, who sit on their thrones before God, fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged, and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple and there were flashes of lightning, and sounds and peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars, and she was with child. And she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule over all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, so that there she would be nourished for one thousand two hundred and sixty days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven, saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life, even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman, so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place, where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time, from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman, and went off to make war with the rest of her children, who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed, and followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon, because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth, speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for forty-two months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them, and authority over every tribe, and people, and tongue, and nation, Was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs, so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast, who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would often speak, and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell, except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is six hundred and sixty-six. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him one hundred and forty-four thousand, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sang a new song. Before the throne, and before the four living creatures, and the elders, and no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from among men as first fruits to God. And to the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouth. They are blameless. And I saw another angel flying in mid heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, and to every nation, and tribe, and tongue, and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God, and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment. Has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and sea and springs of waters. And another angel, a second one, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great, she who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the perseverance of the saints, who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven, saying, Write! Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Then I looked, and behold a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth, and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth, and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out from the winepress up to the horses' bridles for a distance of two hundred miles. Truly amazing things happened in today's reading, right? Some of it very scary, but some of it very amazing. Let's look briefly at what we saw today. Chapter 10 feels a lot like I'm reading the book of Ezekiel. Didn't you feel the same way? Because there seem to be aspects of this that are very familiar from the book of Ezekiel. For example, it has this little book. And if you recall, I believe it was either Isaiah or Ezekiel. That had to eat a scroll. And when he ate it, it meant something symbolic about the Word of God. And in this case, it's also the same thing, where this little book is sweet in the mouth and yet bitter to the stomach. So, this was to remind John, for example, that God's Word is pleasant to his people, but to those that do not know God, The word of God is going to be bitter to them. It is going to be very painful because they are subject to judgment. But for us, the words of our Lord are sweet. And this is a good reminder that we need to spend time in God's word. And unfortunately, those that do not follow Christ, it will not go well for them, as we saw. So the word of God is indeed bitter to those who are under judgment, but not to us. And then verse 11 is almost as if to say, with the word of God that you have been reading, you need to prophesy against the nations. They need to hear this word, whether it be sweet to them or bitter to them. Either way, they need to hear it. And I think that's where this is going, is that this is the responsibility of all who have accepted the word of God. It is sweet to us, and we need to share it, whether it's going to be with Nations or tongues or peoples. It needs to go everywhere. Then, chapter 11 changes gears a little bit and it talks about how there's going to be two witnesses that are going to be prophesying for 42 months, 1260 days. For both, it's the same thing. It's three and a half years. And so, we're not sure if this is going to be the first half of. The tribulation or the second half. It doesn't really say, but the tri- tribulation is supposed to be seven years long. So given the timeline of how the Antichrist fits into all this, it's better fitted to where somewhere in the midpoint, perhaps, of the tribulation is when these two witnesses are going to come. Now, they're not named, but they have some kind of miraculous powers. And if you read what kind of powers they have, they remind me of a couple of people. They remind me of Elijah and Moses, because it says that they have the power to shut up the sky so that rain will not fall. Who did that? Elijah did that. They have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague. Who did that? Moses did through God. So maybe it's them. We don't know. It doesn't really say, but it seems like it could be them. Then it says that the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them. This is the Antichrist, or as we read in Second Thessalonians, he's called the man of lawlessness. This is the same person. This is the, capital A, Antichrist. So, we're going to be reading about him quite a bit here in the next few verses. So, apparently, these two men, whomever they are, are going to be killed by the Antichrist. And everyone's going to be happy about it because he made them tormented on the earth. Not necessarily because they were evil or anything, and that's not the case, but they were convicting people of their sin. They were showing the truth behind their lies. He was showing them the uncomfortable darkness that they were in. And so the light is uncomfortable to those that are in the dark. So those men died, and they rejoiced. But then it says that they were brought back to life three and a half days later, and everyone freaked out. And then after that, they went home to the Lord in the cloud, much like how Jesus did. Imagine that, how... The resurrection of these two men will be in modern day times, how you'll be watching their dead bodies in the street, there'll be media coverage about it on TV, and then after three and a half days, boop, they just pop right back up, and you can't explain that, except for it being something miraculous. Now, verse 13 paints a little bit of a good picture, but it won't last long. It says in that hour, when they go back to heaven, there'll be a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. That's not the good part. But the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. But as we're going to see in the future chapters here, that doesn't last very long. So they worship God for a time, but, but it is not a repentance, unfortunately. This is just a momentary praising of God. And then we have the final angel, the seventh trumpet that sounds. And now the Lord has been declared champion over the earth. His temple is going to appear, and the Ark of the Covenant is going to appear in the temple, and there's going to be so many signs on earth that this is all going to happen. And then it goes to chapter 12. And this section is usually called the woman and the dragon. So obviously this is heavily symbolic, all of this. But who is the woman and who is the dragon? Well, the dragon's an easy one because it says very clearly who it is in verse 9. The great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world. So the dragon is Satan. That's pretty straightforward. But the woman, who in the world is the woman who gives birth to a son? At a glance, you might think, oh, this is Mary. But where in the other books of the Bible did we see that she got wings like an eagle and flew to the wilderness? We don't see that. So this isn't meaning her literally. So what most scholars suggest is that this is Israel. She's representing Israel, who gave Christ Christ. To the world because Jesus came from the Jewish people, right? And she, being Israel, will be persecuted severely during the tribulation. And we know that Israel has a rough time because the world hates Israel. They're a very small speck on the world map, and yet they are very blessed by God. And they're going to constantly be in conflict with somebody especially those that are against God. So, they're not going to have an easy time in the tribulation. Nobody is, but especially Israel. They're going to be persecuted like never before. Now, it also seems to be recounting what happened in heaven, because it says, like in verse 4, that the dragon swept away a third of the stars of heaven with his tail. We read elsewhere that those are the angels that fell with him. Those are the demons that plague us today, that through his influence, he influenced one-third of the angels to follow after him, and God threw them to the earth. It doesn't say they went to hell, like hell is headquarters for them. They are on earth. We also know that this child is Christ, because it says that she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule over all the nations with a rod of iron. That was the Messiah. The Messiah was always prophesied to rule with a rod of iron. That is indeed Christ. That cannot be anyone else. And then we see that there's a war going on in heaven with Michael the archangel versus the dragon, Satan. And it says that they're going to be thrown down to the earth. Now, now we're not sure if this has already happened because demons are currently on the earth. So this may be referring to the original war, that caused the demons to be cast out of heaven, or if this is talking about something during the tribulation. It's kind of hard to tell. But I want you to notice something real quick. In verses 9 through 11, what does it say that Satan's activities are? It says that he deceives the whole world, right? And he also accuses the brethren. Like we see in the second half of verse 10. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. Well, look how we were able to defeat him. But they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. So Christ is ultimately the one who defeated Satan, but also our faith in Christ is going to protect us. We have to have faith in Christ to be safe from Satan, that we do not love our life even when faced with death. Do not reject God in your final hours if that comes. If you are truly of Christ you will not deny him and that will be a defining moment for you. If you, reject Christ, you never had him to begin with, because Christ would not reject himself. The Holy Spirit would not. But those who are truly God's children, the ones that have been saved by his grace and have the indwelt Holy Spirit, will stand and will face death if they have to. That is a sign of someone who has true salvation. So, in the meantime, he knows that his time is short, right? I, I noticed that as well, how it says here at the end of verse 12 The devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. He knows. He knows he doesn't have very long. So, that's why while he's here, he is going to make your life as miserable as possible, he is going to cause you to stray as much as possible. He wants you to fail in your mission. He knows he can't have you, so he's going to try and do everything he can to distract you and make you as useless to God as possible. That is why there's such an assault on the family. There's such an assault on godly people. That's why there's so many actions going against the church today. How many means of entertainment and distractions there are. You name it. All these are there for a reason, and that's to distract you and to cause you to lose hope and to be discouraged. But that's not God's design, and we are above that because we have these wonderful promises from verse eleven. Remember what God has already done; He's already won. Satan's going to convince you that it's still going on, or that there's it's still not decided yet. It's been decided a long time ago. Death has been swallowed up in victory. There's nothing more to worry about, so let God do the fighting for us, and just have faith. Just have faith. That's all he wants. Then we have, in chapter 13, the first beast. Now, this beast is the Antichrist, the one that comes out of the sea. So, Satan is going to give the Antichrist his direct power, and he is going to be able to perform miracles that the world will be deceived with. Many people are going to think that he is the Christ, and that he has returned. But he is not going to line up with the Word of God. He is going to speak blasphemies. He is going to speak many arrogant words. He is going to be doing so many things contrary to the Word of God, And to those that are paying attention, it will be obvious. But to those who are not paying attention, they will be deceived and led astray. And that will be most of the world. And it looks like that he's going to be doing this for 42 months, three and a half years. Verse 8 is a defining term here. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. So he will appear as God to most of the world. Everyone whose name, however, that has not been written in the book of life. Those are the ones that are going to worship him. Those that have been saved are not going to worship him. We're going to see him exactly for who he is, and we are going to not be associated with that. Things are not going to go well with you and I if we remain. There are going to be hardships beyond belief including the fact that there will not be the ability to buy and sell things because you require what's called the mark of the beast. But before that, another beast is going to come up, and this is often called the false prophet. My personal belief is that this is the Pope. because And there's a, I have a lot of reasons for that. I have a lot of evidence I could show you on that, but just listen to the words of what the false prophet does. This looks like the Pope to me. And I think this has been leading up to that for some time. But that's just my opinion. We could debate that, and I'd love to debate it with somebody if they want to. Uh, Please send me an email about it. I can contact you. But there is going to be a system instituted where if you want to buy or sell, you want to be able to interact with society, you must receive the mark of the beast those that are the true children of God will not get the mark. I don't think, based on what the Bible says here, that anyone that is truly saved will participate in the mark of the beast. Verse 15, and it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would often speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. This is interesting. I don't really understand what this is saying, but Apparently there'll be some kind of power to where images of the beast will be able to do something against Christians. I'm not sure exactly what this means, but there seems to be something here about that. Well, it says those that are not going to participate in the mark are going to be killed. It says that all of them are going to get a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Now, I think this is literal. However, the thing is, is that if you truly trust that someone is saved, we will be given instruction by the Lord not to do it. Unfortunately, there were some people during the pandemic that thought that the vaccine was the mark of the beast, or that a face mask was the mark of the beast. But again, if we believe that certain people are truly Christian, wouldn't we all be on the same page on this? Wouldn't you think that God would cause all of us to unify in defiance to this if it really was the mark of the beast? So I think it was immature to jump the gun on that and it lacked discernment of what the word says, but I think it's going to be something much more obvious. I think it's going to be something like a barcode, perhaps, or something that is going to be implanted into you that will allow you to be connected to a social credit system, and you'll be completely under the control of the world government. So we see all that in the works right now. That skeleton has already been made, and it's already implemented in some places, like in China, for example. China has a social credit system, and they're living in tribulation-ish times in many ways. So that is a good place to look if you want to have an idea of what this could look like. And it'd be worse than that, even. But for people like you and me, who are not going to accept the mark of the beast, we have nothing to worry about. And hopefully, we'll be raptured by then. I don't know if that will be the case, but that's what I think will happen. Now, chapter 14 is going to talk about the 144,000. This is the same group as like we read in chapter 7. The 12,000 from the 12 different tribes. So they are going to be pure. They are going to understand that even though they're Jews, that he is indeed the Messiah. And they are going to be pure and undefiled in the sight of God. And they are going to be singing a song that no one knows except them. And that's really interesting. I don't know what that means, but it seems very exciting. Then there's going to be another angel that is going to preach an eternal gospel, almost as if a one last chance before everything ends to be given the grace of God and be saved. One last call before the bar closes. Then it talks about in verse 8 that Babylon has fallen. The kingdom of Babylon fell a long time ago, but this is a spiritual Babylon. Just like we are spiritual Israel, being Christians, spiritual Babylon is the world of demonic idolatry and so on and so forth. This is still very much alive and well, and I think part of it is the Catholic Church. That's my opinion. I have reasons for it, and I'd be willing to share with you if you want to know. Then it says here in verse 9 that if anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. This is why I say that no Christian is going to get the mark of the beast. I don't think that is going to be a possibility, because if you do get the mark of the beast, then you were never saved to begin with. It is not like you can have salvation and reject God and lose it. That contradicts everything that the Bible has said to this point. So to me, this is a conclusive statement, that these are the people who feign Christianity. Kind of like how Jesus said, Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So all of those fakers in our midst will be the ones to receive the mark. And we will know who they are. So what's waiting for those that receive the mark? Verse 11 is very descriptive language, and it's quite frightening. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest, day or night. Those who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. That is indeed terrible, and that is not a fate I wish for anyone. That's why the gospel needs to be spread with urgency. Then the second half of chapter 14 seems to describe A sequence of events here. It says that someone like a son of man having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand, that seems to be Jesus, because obviously he's got the golden crown. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And it says that this person on the cloud is going to reap the earth. And what it's talking about here is the rapture, I think. Now, this is going to be the removing of those that belong to Christ. And all that's going to be left are the ones that are listed here in the second half. Where it says another angel is going to come with a sharp sickle that has power over fire. Where else is there fire? Hell. So this is going to be the angel of death. The one that is going to take the people that are remaining on earth to hell. Because they are the ones that are going to be the grapes of wrath. Do you see that? how it says here at the end of verse 19. The angel swung his sickle and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Wrath is only reserved for those that do not believe. We are spared from his wrath and his judgment by the blood of the Lamb. So this is not us. This is the rest of the world. This is going to be a winepress that was trodden outside the city. Remember how it was described that hell is a separate place, and there is a chasm separating heaven from hell. And that's what it means to be outside the city, the outside of God's presence. And blood came out from the winepress. That's death. Up to the horse's bridles, which I don't know what that means, but a very descriptive language of how great this is going to be. And you thought it was over? No, absolutely not. It is about to get much worse. We have the final judgments, which are the angels with their seven bowls. And then we'll see our glorious Lord return, and things will finally be put right. And then we will see the beauty of the end, what is going to be waiting for us after it all has been said and done and I look forward to that. But for now, this is a good place to stop. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.